Marvel's newest movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, the titular character Shen-Chi and one other character, played by Aquafina, end up at a karaoke bar singing Old Town Road, which means that Montero, or Little Nas X, whatever you want to call him, survived the snapping because Old Town Road came out in 2018 or 19, and that's after the snap would have happened so for them to be singing it currently in 2023, he had to survive the snap and still release the song. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is Montero is the name of his new album and also his Twitter handle, but he is still, I believe, Little Nas X John. What's his real name? Little Nas X. No, like his... You know, his legal name. Oh, Christian Bale. Wait, really? No, I have no idea. I think it's Montero. And <laughs> together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the critical happenings of that their cultural zeitgeist. I messed that all up to hell. Welcome to the podcast. You're on the air. We're on the air. You can call in. We have a Google voice number all set up. That's a lie. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Maybe his name is Montero. Then I understand why the album is called that. I don't know. I just saw somebody talking about it, and they refer to him as Montero, so if I'm wrong about that, then so are they. Well, I only refer to people as their artist names, which made Prince difficult for a while, and Madonna easy forever, because she's always been Madonna. Yeah, okay. I hear what you're saying. I didn't, you know... I got nothing to contribute to this. I'm drinking a beer, Henry. Oh, I'm drinking a now, 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 now. <laughs> oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Na, 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 na. I'm drinking a non-alcoholic beer that you left at my house. Ah, is that Athletic Brewing Company? Brew without compromise, whatever that means. Which it's 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 it. That's a really huge misnomer. There's a ton of compromise in this. I feel like to. In terms of athletic brewing, I think they're kind of the best non-alcoholic beers out, which is, it's saying a lot, and it's not saying a lot. They do still taste basically like beer-flavored sodas, but I think it does a better job of capturing what makes beer taste good than your typical non-alcoholic beer, which is, ah, makes seltzer water kind of taste like hops and grain. Right, right. Really, really muddies down that crisp seltzer taste. Yes, the uh, whereas Athletic Brewing Company, I think, has some nice characteristics. You can tell it was, like, really b- brewed, uh, but it's it's good. I'd say in terms of the N.A. beers, you can't beat the Lagunitas hop water, but the Athletic Brewing Company is a close second. It's like I'm drinking a LaCroix, but it's beer-flavored. Beer-Croix. I, uh, on the other hand, am drinking a, and this is a bit of a mouthful, it is a Belching Beaver Deftones Phantom Bride India Pale Ale. That's right, Belching Beaver out of, I believe, San Diego, California, continuing their apparent years-long relationship with the band Deftones by releasing a series of beers named after their songs. It appears to be an official relationship, like the Deftones. I'm not a Deftones guy. I don't know that I could tell you a Deftones song from any other song. Uh, but apparently the Deftones, Deftones and uh, Belching Beaver 
got together. Belching Beaver, a new beer on the Texas beer scene, recently got distribution within the last year. Uh, I'll read some copy if you'd like. Talk about the flavor profile, goddammit. Okay, fine. Wait. <laughs> uh, named after the ethereal song by the one and only Deftones, Phantom Bride IPA is a blend of Amarillo, Citro, Citra, and Simcoe and Mosaic hops. Rare four-hop blend. A delicately balanced for the perfectly drinkable mix of citrus and hoppy goodness. A truly original Deftone slash Belching Beaver collaboration envisioned by Chino Moreno and skillfully crafted by Thomas Peters. I have to assume Chino Moreno is of the Deftones. Uh, sit I have back, no idea. Put on your headphones and drink away, which is what I plan to do on this episode. Uh, flavor profile incoming. That's pretty tasty. All uh, right, you heard it here first. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like they wanted to be an East Coast or a West Coast IPA, and they kind of compromise. It's not like super dry oh. and juicy, like a yeah, like a New England IPA. It's also not super dr- uh, like uh, grippy and tarry like a West Coast IPA, but it's tasty. I feel like with all of the hype you built, with all of those copy words and the d- d- Deftone partnerships and all I, I you would expect it to stand out a little bit more this has been i don't want to drag any breweries on our podcast oh drag them drag them the couple times i've had belching beaver beers uh, people were pretty excited for them to enter the texas beer market maybe it's just not brewed very recently but i haven't been a a massive fan of any of the belching beaver beers as much as i am the pretty bold characteristic texas beers yeah i mean the thing about new beers coming to texas is like we got a lot of great breweries right here in austin so i'm not saying you never need to try it it's just like youngling youngling just yingling yingling just got uh distribution in texas and those they got all these big billboards like finally in texas and i'm like that's great but i'm never reaching for one of you Uh, you're just outclassed i mean even i think that a lot of people like yingling because for some reason it it seems exotic to them i think in people who grew up around yingling it's nothing special i don't love yingling i uh why would someone drink it the owner's like a weird conservative weirdo yingling doesn't taste particularly great i think lone star tastes better than yingling does Uh, plus they have a beer named after the uh, british death squads that were sent into northern ireland so like come on right and lone star started here it's been here for years what and it's like it, our default is better than Yingling being imported in. So like back off. I think the least you can do no matter where you are, if you have the option is like drink the things that are made where you are. Obviously we can't always eat the things that are grown where we are, but right. people have a tendency to make beverages and they're probably pretty popular in your area. So do what you can. Support local breweries and businesses. Which I did not do by by buying this Belching Beaver beer, but we shall move on and not question my character. All right, that sounds like a good 10-4 copy over, buddy. Now, speaking of flavor profiles. Yeah? uh, I know that we made a promise on this podcast, nay, anywhere from three to seven weeks ago. Right, so sometime in the past year, we... (laughs) It was brought up that John might be a bit of a super taster. Yes, I think from my own anecdotal conversations with people that I know who work in food, I'm either a super taster or a non-taster, <laughs> depending on my 
my taste for things because I do have a, a pretty strong appetite for bitter, acidic things. So I might actually be a non-taster. And real heads will remember that I called into question John's ability to taste the uh, the the Nintendo Switch cartridges. Because if you flash back a couple of years when they first came out, the news broke that they were coated with something to, to stop pets from eating them, basically. Or children. Uh, so for a large portion of the population, the Nintendo Switch cartridges taste like nasty garbage. Uh, but for a sweet little 10%, I think they either taste nothing at all or it doesn't taste bad to them. So from my understanding, from the limited amount of research I did, is that the chemical these are coated with is actually the same chemical that tester strips for testing if someone's a super normal or non-taster. And essentially, if you have more taste buds per surface area of your tongue, it will taste extremely bitter. Uh, If you have normal taste buds, it will taste pretty unpleasant. And if you're a non-taster, it might not taste like anything at all. All right. And so I can vouch from personal experience. I tasted the cartridge uh, when they when I first got the opportunity to, and it it was bad. It was a bad taste, and worst of all, it lingered in the mouth. Yeah, my concern with this is from reading the accounts of so-called super tasters that the cartridge almost makes them throw up. Uh, so uh, hopefully that's not something you end up having to hear on the podcast. I really hope you're a non-taster and you're just immune to it all. Uh, Me too. Non-tasters, you know, you can go far in the world of food as a non-taster. It just means that you like certain flavors. But I figure I should start this off with a little bit of a Nintendo Switch ASMR. Uh, So this is me lightly tapping on the package. This is, of course... The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, a perennial tasting cartridge, if ever there was one, I believe, uh, 2017 vintage. Ooh, that's a good year. Let me go ahead and just open it up here. Uh, Enjoy the smells. No manual, of course. Does any Nintendo Switch game come with a manual? No game comes with a manual anymore. Yeah, save those trees. There's little things in here as if it was to hold a manual. Yeah, no, I think they wanted to design... The, the cartridges were designed to hold a manual, but then they made the cost-saving decision to never print manuals. I, I'm in agreement with that choice. Let me go ahead and set down the case. And uh, I guess without further ado, I will lick the, not the contacts, surely. Yes, not the, the contact. But no. the plastic. It's the, yeah, the plastic coating. All right, let's see. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, it tastes like a dog turd. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not a non-taster. Oh, my God. That's so obvious. I thought it was going to be, like, subtle. No. Oh, my God. You might be a super taster. Oh, my God. It tastes like gasoline mixed with a dog turd. How's the mouth feel? Really bad. It's like it's like spicy. F- oh my god! It tastes so bitter. Oh god! You need to wash that down with something. I guess. Belching wash fever, that. Phantom Bride. Yeah, you don't wash that taste out of your mouth. Oh wow! My god. It tastes so bad. <laughs> 
it tastes I thought this was like a joke or something that Reddit came up with to make people lick Nintendo Switch, but it tastes so bad. It is bad. Oh yeah. my god. It's going to linger too, Ugh. which is the worst part. It's like living in the back of my mouth on the back of my tongue right now and it is the worst taste. Never yeah. in a million years did I think it was going to be that pronounced. Man, well, I think for others it's a little more subtle. It's really bad. Yeah, no. it's real. <laughs> Your reaction—it was, was like very... an electric shock. Yeah, it was no. like immediate. Your reaction was very similar to my own. Ugh, where it's just like, huh? This, but a little more delayed. Where it's like, hey, this isn't so. <laughs> Like I said, there's there's no way I ever would have guessed from what you were telling me that this was something that was so pronounced and immediate. It was like the second my tongue touched it, just the most awful, bitter taste. So if you're listening to this, please lick a Nintendo Switch cartridge because you you don't right now. I guarantee you, listening to this, you don't know how bad it tastes. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty god awful. But I must say, it must work as a great deterrent because I have yet to eat a Nintendo Switch game. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not going to. It's really interesting because apparently using this as a coating in plastics is especially popular for young children because since their tongues are so small, they like young children just taste things more intensely, which which is why babies are very picky eaters because oh. their taste buds are just packed down into a very small surface area. Right. Uh, from my understanding. I don't know anything about baby tongue science. It sounds uh, right, and it sounds fascinating, so I'm choosing to believe it. It continues to taste like the cartridge. It's going to persist for a while. Maybe by the time we're done, you'll you'll get your, your tongue back. I really wish we had saved this to the end of the episode. I was surprised when you, you jumped ahead. but I, I thought it was going to be light content. I didn't think we'd be talking about it for this long. Oh, that this is, is great. I exceptional. Do have... I'm going to recommend this to everyone. <laughs> I do have to quickly say thank you, John, for doing that for our dear listeners and uh, for the health of the podcast. Uh, we fulfilled one out of about a thousand <laughs> promises we've made over the years on the air. Yes, we promise to fulfill our promises eventually. Right. Ugh. It's like... You know how the only thing I can compare it to really is like when you taste earwax and it's that immediate like super negative reaction. Like it yeah. it tastes – there's something in the human body that's like when you taste earwax, you're like, no, I, I should not be eating this. Right. Uh, it is that feeling. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad and it stays. It just tastes wrong. I'm going to create a, a Sean Evans first we fused hot ones uh, show, but the, it's just licking Nintendo Switch cartridges while answering questions. <laughs> wait, wait, but they're all... I I love this idea. It's 10 cartridges. They're all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We would just coat them in increasingly bitter substances. You'll start with a neutral Breath of the Wild, but you'll end on a hyper bitter Pikmin 3. Why would anyone want to do that show? Why would anyone do Hot Ones? I think the... I don't... It I love feels, Hot Ones. It fe, I mean, I love the show. But it feels self-aggrandizing for anyone to like call themselves a, a super taster. But I, I do think that I taste things more when talking to other people sometimes. 
And spicy food has a real profound effect on me. Not that I can't eat spicy food. I like spicy food, but I think that past a certain level, it's like all I can think about, especially like extremely strong or especially authentic wasabi. It just like takes over my entire body and I can't speak and I tear up. And wasabi is just a whole different other type of heat to begin with. Yeah, because it's like a horseradishy kind of like short circuit your brain, activate your sinuses kind of heat. Whereas like a typical capsaicin heat that you get something from something like a chili. I like spicy food, but it uh, it has a profound effect on me. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind for when we're eventually tapped to do hot ones. I look forward to it. Sean Evans is a hell of an interviewer. Oh, yeah, their research team is really great. Uh, second only to Nardwar, of course, uh, no, sec- who is the best interviewer of all time. Second only to Scotland Yard. <laughs> second only to Scotland Yard. Very good interviewers. And then they put you in the clink, maybe. When the, F- when the FBI can't crack a case, they turn to Sean Evans and his hot wings. Yes, he's just got a bobby hat on. <laughs> he works for Scotland Yard. It's great. Uh, I can get you answers. But first, I'm going to need 10 wings and 10 bottles of different hot sauces. I need 10 wings, 10 bottles of different hot sauces. I need unlimited access to the suspect's Instagram for explain that gram. (laughs) Yeah. If they don't have a gram, don't worry. We'll find pictures. By the end of a 30-minute interrogation, I will have your answers. They will have fallen in love with me. And also, they will (laughs) have touched their eyes and be crying. Also, a bunch of people will watch it, and then even though they had no opinion of the person before, they will now all uh, inevitably say, they seem like a pretty down-to-earth person. I mean, if you see people at their lowest. I think uh, Hot Ones does nothing but humanize people who we don't consider to be human. It's great because they could just do the one thing. They could just do the hot wings, but they also ask really engaging questions at the same time. And usually they're questions that if they get interrupted by like, oh man, it's so hot. I'm like, shut up. This is a good question and I want to hear the answer. I mean, bar none, my favorite is uh, David Harbour's interview because like he clearly asked some questions that are stimulating to him about art because David Harbour is like a foremost, an artist. Yeah. And then, you know, through the course of the interview, you learn that he's this like human down to earth guy who cares about art and portrayal and different schools of acting. Whereas I thought he was just Hellboy. Right. No, I, my, one of my favorite moments in that interview was like, can I talk about craft for a second? Are we about to talk about craft? Mm -hmm. And then he just launches into like this really like succinct definition of what acting is or like how he approaches acting. And he's like, he, he could do a a thousand interviews and he's never going to get asked that question. Yeah, absolutely. Because he's, you know, the cop from Stranger Things and he's Hellboy and he's that that Russian guy from that Marvel movie John still hasn't seen. Yeah, Black Window. Yeah, Black. <laughs> Rear Widow. Rear Widow. Uh, but yes, David Harbour is great. That is a fantastic interview. I highly recommend it to everyone. Yeah. Uh, good can't t- think of any time. other interviews because I don't watch... Hot one's enough, but I'm sure there's another good one. I mean, from a previous season, the Paul Rudd one is just phenomenal. Oh, the Paul Rudd one is the best. Probably hands down the best episode that's ever been made of that show. Uh, The thing that I like about Paul Rudd, and this is true of him in any interview that isn't like a super presser interview, he just like immediately like 
you know in Avatar where they touch their ponytails to the horse and they inter- <laughs> they they interconnect? That's what Paul Rudd does to interviewers. This is a trend in my life, and I think it stems mainly from you. the The number of Avatar references <laughs> that I encounter on a daily basis has just gone up recently, and I don't know why. Here's the thing: never seen it all the way through. Oh, and oh, so you you missed the part where nothing happens. You mean the first hour and forty five minutes, or the second hour and forty five minutes? I'm talking about both. Zing, zing. Uh, there is no easy segue to get into the next thing we're about to talk about. Unfortunately, wait, can I try? Please. All right, <clears throat> I'm going to tap into your mind, John. I'm going to do that thing you always do for me. I'm going to be do a the great co-host, co-host magic. I'm going to do the magic, and apropos of nothing, I'm going to say zucchinis. We did it, boys. That's right, of course. Henry, hold on. Let me do the host magic and say that zucchinis are a a delicious vegetable, much like the many delicious vegetables that are in, of course, the pupusa. That's right, the food of El Salvador. And I think based on that, Henry, you know exactly what I'm about to talk about. Hell yeah. I actually do. Uh, El Salvador is is accepting Bitcoin as an actual currency. Yes, as of today, as a matter of fact, uh, that Central American nation will become the first sovereign state in history to make a Bitcoin legal tender, meaning that it now has a dual tender system between the U.S. dollar and Bitcoin. I learned something new today, which is the... uh, that El Salvador uses the U.S. dollar. Oh, that's that's fascinating. I read that El Salvador bought 400 bitcoins in preparation of this big move, which I think is to the tune of several hundred thousand dollars. Uh, let's see. Bitcoin price is about $46,000 now. So it, it's millions, I think. Yeah, it's okay. Millions and millions. Millions uh, of dollars. So, of, of course, uh, this initiative is the brainchild of uh, millennial president Nayib Bakale. Now, the problem with calling him a millennial is uh, dude's busted. He's 40. He's an elder millennial. We don't claim him. <laughs> <laughs> dude's busted. He's jank. He's busted. He wears a a backwards baseball cap, but he's 40. Millennials do not claim him. He does not remember uh, Ren and Stimpy or SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, Naib Bukale is uh, not a millennial. He is a boomer, of course. Uh, But yes, he is a populist president who I believe at the time of this recording has a popularity rating somewhere around the 90% range. Holy shit, that's... Hi, is that real or is that rigged? No, it's, well, (laughs) we'll get into it. (laughs) Okay. It's real. Uh, So this is something that is typically true of populist uh, president-elects or prime ministers. Populists typically tend to do very well. Their campaigns are based on a groundswell. I think that if we got... Well, I, I think the problem that we have in the United States is that uh, we don't elect populists. We fucked up and the populist we did elect was Donald Trump, who is definitely a populist. Uh, but I think that Bernie Sanders would be a similar a similar populist in that about a year uh, into his administration, I think his approval rating would be very high because they appeal to the masses, kind of the populist strength. So why would uh, why would Naib Bukele uh, make Bitcoin legal tender 
in El Salvador, you ask. I hear you asking. Uh, hey, John, I have a quick question. Oh, yes, in the in the back. <laughs> Why would you be in the back of your own podcast? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's okay. They didn't. There was no room up front, <laughs> so don't don't worry about it. I I don't need a special pass. Uh, but why would El Salvador, a country that exists, use Bitcoin, a currency that's made up? Yes, indeed. Why would we use any currency? Uh, because they're all kind of made up. We'll get into that, too. There's a lot of moving pieces to this story. Uh, but I think probably the most compelling reason for this, and uh, I, as far as like the populist movement in El Salvador, this is the one that they pushed the most. Uh, one quarter, greater than one quarter, actually, from what I saw, of El Salvador's GDP comes from remittances. Are you familiar with remittances, Henry? That's when you regret something. Yes, it is also when you send money back to your home country from uh, working abroad. So if you were a Salvadoran and you went to the United States or Canada or Mexico or wherever, uh, and you made money, you would send it back to your family in the form of a remittance. And I don't know if you've ever actually processed a remittance or had to go through the remittance process, uh, but it is difficult, it is time-intensive, and it's expensive. Are you uh, familiar with Western Union? Oh, yes. I, I have heard of the Western Union, and I wondered what was propping them up still to this day. It is almost entirely remittances via wire. So as long as you're in a non-OFAC country, you can wire funds. But typically speaking, a transaction from like a Western Union is uh, pretty expensive. Uh, I think it's like flat fees and then certain large wires have a percentage attached. And that's just Western Union. There are companies that specialize, especially in Central America, with high fee remittances, just trying to essentially... Take money from people who want to send money back to their family. Bitcoin eliminates that because, of course, I don't think that there's any need to inform our listeners about what Bitcoin is or what the blockchain is. It's just a ledger that exists in fact. So there's really no need to wire money around. Transferring Bitcoins from a Bitcoin wallet to another wallet is just a matter of transferring one data point, which is ownership. There is not a fee attached with transferring Bitcoin, uh, depending on the exchange you use, but it's cheaper. Right, right. So you don't have to deal with these these um, vultures, these opportunistic businesses that just want to prey on people trying to send money back home. And you're not losing more money by trying to send money. Like you're, you're getting to hold on to more of your money through Bitcoin. That sounds really interesting. Exactly. And then, of course, if you've ever dealt with Western Union or wires, I know that you've bought a home fairly recently. I don't know if wire transactions were a part of that, but wires are effectively in process instantaneous. However, the process to request a wire is anything but instantaneous. In addition to the monetary cost, it can take hours to fill out paperwork to get the proper forms oh, yeah, and proper no. understanding. Wires aren't fun. Okay, so I, I do have a story about wires, and, and it is related to buying a home. Um, because before you get to closing, the... Uh, the agreed upon amount that is due up front for the closing cost, that needs to be sitting in escrow 
uh, and a, like a third party account to, to uh, as a, a holding place so that that money can then go to the seller. Uh, and that needs to happen before uh, you, you can even step into the office to, to sign papers. And it's they don't do checks. They don't do deposits. It's, it's wire. You have to do a wire transfer for that. And I learned all of this at 1 p.m. on a Monday. Yeah. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. Banks are open until at least four. Now, here's the thing. All wires have to be arranged through offices in the Eastern time zone. Yes. So I already lost an hour. And then I – so I couldn't even do it by phone anymore. They were closed for phone wires. I had to go to a bank. And say, hey, I want I want to do a wire transfer, and I need the money out of this account to go to this account. And copying, like, I, I had it, like scribbled on a notepad, and then I also had it on my phone, like just trying to like make sure I get all of these details right because this is the most money I've ever moved at one time. And then I ran into the problem: oh, the amount of money that you want to wire doesn't amount. That match the amount of money in your account. I'm like, well, yeah, because I do have a payment coming in that's pending. Once it is pending, I'll have that amount. And like, no, it has to be now. <laughs> so I had to move money around to have enough money in it to cover the wire to put in the request that would not go through for another two days. I think in that anecdote, you run into the two big problems with wires that Bitcoin solves. So first of all is process time. So wires are batch processed at the end of the day. I don't care if you do it at a credit union, at a bank, at a Western union. They are all done at once. Even if they're submitted beforehand from the bank, they happen at the end of the day. Okay, uh, And that is solved by Bitcoin because transactions are instantaneous regardless of time zone. Transactions happen 24 hours a day. Yeah, No, it, it, it was baffling to me that this was as archaic as it was in the in the this was in 2020 and that current year. I mean, the insane thing about wires is that they are they serve a purpose because the reason you had to jump through all those hoops is wires serve as funds in fact. And there is actually, other than things on the blockchain, no form of legal tender in the world that is treated as funds in fact. And that's why you had to move money around. Funds in fact is money that exists that we can cause to instantiate elsewhere. Uh, you have to have enough money because the way wires work is it is just through bank magic, an instantaneous transfer of existing funds to existing funds. And there is actually, when you have a check deposit, let's say you do an e-deposit, you take a picture of a check, it goes in your checking or savings account. That's not funds. In fact, that's actually goodwill on the part of the depository institution, typically your bank saying, hey, we trust that this check is good based on whatever algorithms we use to process the check. Uh, But there is room for doubt 
and it's written into your deposit confirmation. They're like, hey, if this comes back being a bad check, we can take those funds away. Wires don't have that problem. Money has to exist so it can exist elsewhere, which is solved by the blockchain because money always exists in the blockchain and it can always be moved elsewhere effectively instantaneously. So remittances benefit a lot from things like Bitcoin. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that all sounds pretty great to me. The only problem I have is Bitcoin's expensive. Bitcoin is expensive. Uh, There's a couple more reasons why someone might make Bitcoin legal tender. Uh, I believe one of uh, Nayib Bukala's kind of standpoints on it is that it brings more Salvadorans into the fold, most of whom don't have e-banking or phone banking accounts because they're expensive, they're complicated. Not all El Salvadorans have access to depository institutions that have those features. However, blockchain is open source. Uh, So as long as you have an app and a wallet, you have Bitcoin. Uh, And then in addition to that, uh, they want to kind of milk foreign investment in Bitcoin mining because they want to use the geothermal energy that El Salvador has in its volcanoes to power Bitcoin mining operations. That's uh, horse shit, really. Uh, Bitcoin mining is really energy intensive and the amount of energy that El Salvador creates from geothermal plants is not enough to offset them being like this massive Bitcoin mining operation. Seemingly Uh, people don't really understand for the most part, how expensive it is to mine Bitcoins now, but that's like a third reason why someone might do this. Now what's the, uh, Oh, go ahead. Uh, Comment. Yes. (laughs) You in the back. Uh, No, no. Um, Go to your point. Oh, okay. Uh, So uh, what are some issues with why someone might implement something like this? Uh, So I I think that anyone who knows anything about Bitcoin is like, it's really not in the best business of an institution to readily accept funds that can rapidly decline in value very quickly. Right, right. Uh, yeah, the the perceived value of the Bitcoin. I don't even know what that value is based on. Is it based on how much people are hoarding Bitcoin? Uh, well, I think academically, it's based on Bitcoin is something that was easy to get, and then over time becomes Harder. logarithmically difficult, more difficult to obtain. So it's it's priced close to like a a pure economic standpoint because people's demand for bitcoins is related to its scarcity but there's a lot of speculation involved i think a paper i was reading is like bitcoin shouldn't be fifty thousand dollars right now based on how difficult it is to mine there's a lot of speculation going on basically it's just valued on how much people think it's worth right exactly so if suddenly enough people think that it's not worth as much and you've got a lot let's say part of your, your your country's economy tied up in Bitcoin and suddenly it tanks for whatever reason, that could be really bad. Yeah. Uh, you could say if on the day your country decides to accept Bitcoin as legal tender and Bitcoin plummets 10% in value, uh, that it might not be a very good thing, which is actually the thing that happened today. I mean, yeah. And kind of by the nature of how volatile Bitcoin is, we have certain 
we benefit from certain systems by having things like U.S. dollar and controlled currencies because there are systems of control that keep them from doing things like bottoming out 10% in a single day. Uh, and those are typically the purview of places like the International Monetary Fund, who, because Bitcoin is so volatile, they tanked El Salvador's debt rating. Uh, so the bonds that El Salvador has issued for like civic goods, they're saying like, hey, these things are more worthless than they were before. Uh, unfortunately, the IMF's credit rating is a lot closer to like your credit score than they should be. So they're based on a lot of factors. Maybe they're racist. Who knows? The IMF does not actually tell you why they choose one country's debt to be worth less than another's. But hey, that's the IMF's business. But Henry... Yes. I have a maybe a significant uh, entry into why uh, you might have an issue with uh, accepting Bitcoin as legal tender in a country. Uh, the country forgot its, its the, the, the password to its wallet. That is a very good point. That has not happened yet. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, I think it's a good point. However, unfortunately... Uh, in this case, as has been true in many cases, uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and the blockchain seem to actually have been used as a smokescreen to cover up author authoritarian activities. Oh, because it's untraceable. Well, the problem is uh, Naib Bukele might not be the, the busted-ass old millennial cool backwards ball cap guy that we thought he was because on the same day that Bitcoin became legal tender and that's all people can talk about for El Salvador, uh, he also released a statement saying that his party was going to purge the judicial system of El Salvador and has... Uh, removed one third of the cut of the country's judges and prosecutors oh. who don't agree with him. Oh my God. Uh, and the congressional authority in El Salvador has paved the way for him to run unopposed in 2024, despite uh, El Salvador literally having a law that you can't have uh, consecutive presidential terms. So while everyone is talking about, Oh, cool. Bitcoin, whatever. He is actually gutting the country and uh, turning himself into an autocrat oh my god and he's using wow yes look at oh. any news about el salvador it's all bitcoin no it's... one is talking about the fact that this baseball cap wearing busted millennial is gutting el salvador for his own power the fact that he eliminated one third of the judges is like man how's that gonna affect the price of bitcoin i know right that's the thing i'm concerned <laughs> about that's insane. He was a populist and now he's becoming an autocrat. Who would have seen that coming? If only there was some precedent for a populist and in some cases a young populist being elected and then becoming a vicious autocrat in short order. I just can't think of any instances in which that's happened. Wow. And, and particularly in recent memory of a populist being elected and then uh, no. trying to trying to gut the judicial branch, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. And maybe even inspiring an attempted coup. Yeah, I just can't imagine. It's almost as if certain political ideologies are uh, are very bad regardless of how much Bitcoin is involved. The fact that this elder millennial was like, I know what will distract everybody. 
we're going to buy 400 Bitcoin. I'm going to announce we're the first country to start accepting it. And then they won't see my crimes. Yeah, they won't see my coup against my own country. However, to his uh, unfortunate credit, nailed it. He was totally right. No one is talking about it. I thought you were going to say they, they identified the wallet ID for the country and then saw a bunch of transactions to OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Salvador is a huge OnlyFans country. Uh, very only fans friendly. There is, a, if I can editorialize a bit, another thing that I'm concerned about is a cryptocurrency at scale is kind of the playground of the rich. I mean, all securities are, but especially cryptocurrency. So, like, people could, if you were a country that was short sighted enough, arguably, to institute Bitcoin as legal tender, very rich people could manipulate your economy within minutes. Yeah. At their whim. Yeah, because it's not regulated, which can be a both a good or a bad thing, there's like people could try to do like a pump and dump scheme. Yeah, people can pump money out of Bitcoin into a dollar tracking crypto, and then your economy tanks, their like present net value stays the same, and then they can just tank your country. Yeah, and then they buy up all the tanked goods. Yeah, they can buy you once you get taken over by pirates. Yeah, it's insane. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little, you know, maybe more experimentation, more simulations need to be run before more countries jump on board. I The unfortunate outcome of this is that other populist elected uh, rulers, leaders, are going to see this and then try to emulate it and say, oh, I'm also – we." The, the good country of Belizea is also going to accept Bitcoin now and then, like, kill off all their judges. We are also going to accept Bitcoin. Kill the judges. Kill the judges. <laughs> well, yeah, that, while all the news outlets are pointing their cameras at a big poster that says Belizea now accepts Bitcoin, they're just shooting judges execution style in the streets. Yeah, um, the Taliban releases a statement like, oh, by the way, a month ago when we did all the things we did, we also started accepting Bitcoin. I mean, this is maybe the darkest insight you've ever had. If the Taliban did that, it would be such a media moment that people wouldn't notice anything the Taliban did for two months. If the people we've been hearing about since we were fetuses started accepting bitcoin no one would pay attention if they like massacred christians in the street no one would care yeah the the pr guy for the taliban is kicking himself right now because like that's all i had to do (laughs) he's looking at el salvador like damn that's all i had to do all i had to do was get in front of a camera and say bitcoin and people wouldn't have taken a video of all the people falling off of that plane horrifying i uh very very horrifying i would like to walk back my statement about christians by the way Uh, the taliban killing christians largely overblown largely a hoax also not surprise surprise the worst thing the taliban is doing uh so not to make it sound like killing christians is the worst thing the taliban could do or is doing the taliban has has and is uh perpetrating worse crimes yeah, them walking back all of the progressive ideals that have been springing up, which include uh, rights for women being human beings, them walking that back seems a little bit 
more egregious. Yeah, it's uh, it's much worse. And I think that I, I would like to extend to you, Henry, an opportunity to do something that's rare in the podcast, which is, is take an unequivocal stand and say that we, the hosts of the Zero Creds podcast, are uncertain about the Taliban. <laughs> what? <laughs> We, these recent events have really cast doubt on our ability to support the Taliban. Oh, that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, John. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know about these Taliban guys. Yeah, I mean, I've been hearing a lot about them for the last hold on my entire <laughs> life, uh, I, and you know, they're not giving me a lot of hope. I, you know, I. It's not really their words. It's kind of their their words and their deeds <laughs> yeah i i really am not a big fan of the words and deeds of the taliban right now yeah um i did see a headline that the taliban was apparently disappointed that the u.s left non-working helicopters behind Ah, <laughs> uh, i mean uh to the taliban's credit that is kind of the only non-working weapon system we left for them <laughs> but it's horrible <laughs> Yeah, we gave them all those Barrett 50 cals and rocket launchers, though. They're twice. Around. We gave Dri- them rocket launchers twice. They're driving around in Humvees. Yeah, we, d- we didn't even put sugar in the gas tanks of those Humvees. We didn't even slash the tires. We didn't have time. We had to go buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to go buy Bitcoin and go to other wars. Go to other wars. Ah, uh, the Taliban. What miscreants. What misguided little scamps. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you updated on the podcast as far as the Taliban update. Uh you know, Oh wait, I'm getting I'm getting an update and they're still bad. Okay, okay, they're still bad. We'll we'll talk about it next week, see if they've pulled it together. Uh see if see if they've done some things uh, that deserve some kudos, but so far not looking good for the Taliban. I don't I feel bad for the people of El Salvador. Yeah. I, uh, and this has been true of a lot of the things that Bukele has done is that, uh, the, uh, the Salvador, the Salvadoran people are fans of him, but he's not necessarily doing a lot to benefit them. I think the, uh. the point that we, the point that we most strenuously discussed, the remittances is actually a genuinely very good reason to use currencies on the blockchain right i just wish that there was a way for people to take advantage of the blockchain without its like inherent uh manipulation and speculation like it it seems at least in terms of companies and now countries that have done this impossible to extricate the two from each other i don't know if only there was some kind (laughs) of if the u.s dollar was on the blockchain it would actually solve a lot of problems yeah, I, I mean, I, blockchain is going to get more and more accepted and more widely applied, applicated, applied, applied, applied. We'll get further at, excuse me, wider applications of blockchain, and maybe we can be, we can see the U.S. dollar moving to the blockchain standard. That is, uh, that is definitely the hope. Now, Henry, I want to do a quick check in with you. I'm here to be checked on. What is your appetite for fu- for further discussion of things that involve the blockchain? Not very high. Unfortunately, it's the only other thing I have to talk about. Is this like an NFT thing? I regret to inform you that it is. 
the, do we finally have the first ever zero credits NFT? Uh, to be honest with you, we can take this on offline, but it would this be... This podcast, this episode is now one of one copy. One person can listen to it and no one else. I mean, turning a podcast into an NFT is actually not a bad idea. Oh, never mind. Let's move on to what you're going to talk about. Uh, yes, this is actually a feel-good NFT story. Uh, whereas in the previous story we talked about Bitcoin and the blockchain, I feel like at this point explaining this to people, uh, everyone knows what the blockchain Bitcoin are. And if not, there's certain levels of abstraction. You get it. Uh, I think NFTs are new enough that it makes sense to explain. Would you agree? I think a lot of people don't know what the blockchain is, and I only know because my work is very interested in trying to get it to work with security for some reason, even though it's just a ledger. Okay, well then maybe a, a more comprehensive explainer. I'll try to do my best. Okay. Uh, and correct me on any of it if you disagree. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a blockchain neophyte. I disagree. Uh, You're an expert, goddammit. Wow, I wasn't expecting disagreement and validation. Uh, so NFTs, non-fungible tokens. A lot of people think of NFTs as a bunch of rich people spending 450 all the way up to $16 million to buy JPEGs. And in a way, you are not wrong. But the reason why a non-fungible token or an NFT is special is because it exists specifically on the Ethereum blockchain. The Ethereum blockchain, I believe, has a an important characteristic in that the Ethereum blockchain can store a lot of data per right. block. Yeah. And on the Ethereum blockchain, let's say you buy one of these $4,000 JPEGs. Let's say it's, I don't know, a big-tittied centaur riding on the Millennium Falcon. Uh, you buy that for $4,000. Wait a second, hold on. <laughs> yes. That was a very specific example. <laughs> I mean, this is not drawing from anything in my life, of course, but let's say that you Wait, were to he, buy an NFT. He let's said say I could you, jump in when I disagree. <laughs> let's let's say you were to sink a significant amount of your savings on an NFT of a big titty centaur riding the Millennium Falcon. Um, not drawing from my personal life whatsoever. I disagree. <laughs> I acknowledge your disagreement. Uh if you were to buy said NFT, the details of that NFT, its color values per pixel, etc., is stored on the Ethereum blockchain. But most importantly, it stores ownership. And ownership is the thing that is fun that is fungible. So you can you can change ownership of NFTs. They're non-fungible tokens because the specifics of that token, the specifics of that in early days is early days images but now it's audio files podcast episodes whatever uh that is non-fungible the specifics of the token how it looks how it sounds cannot be changed the only thing that can change is ownership so essentially it's like buying those coins off of tv that give you like a certificate of authenticity and ownership it is just a computer way of being like for this image this person owns it in the extent that they purchased it as an NFT, once you get into like actual like ideological concerns around who owns quote unquote an image, uh, 
it's tough. But that's how an NFT works. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So the good cannot be fungible, but the ownership can be fungible. And so they can be bought and sold. Exactly. The details of the thing can't be changed. Only ownership can be changed. Uh, and the reason why this matters on something like the blockchain, if you don't know what the blockchain is, it is an unchangeable factual record of transactions. So, for instance, in the Ethereum blockchain, the details of this image are solid, stored in a block. Ownership changes, but the details of the image are always true. The blockchain is like a, it's supposed to be an impervious ledger where every transaction is accounted for and happens instantaneously. Right. Good good for inventory management and stuff like that. Good for a chain of, of ownership. Oh, I think that's what we called it. Um, but has nothing to do with cybersecurity, sorry to say. Yes, it has absolutely nothing to do with cybersecurity. Uh, however, four or five years ago, you could uh, you could really make your hay as a blockchain expert and sell it to people as pretty much anything. Uh, that industry, unfortunately, is dying. Uh, but NFTs are having a particular moment. They blew up about, well, like a year ago, maybe less than a year ago. I want to say it was earlier this year. Yeah, earlier this year, I believe NFTs really blew up. They sold for tons of money. They're still, by the way, selling for a ton of money. I I think that there's actually a killing to be made with NFTs, but placement is hard, especially right now. But NFTs are still very much an active market. However, there is now starting to come to the fore an issue with NFTs, which is they're just in the traditional sense, images. In some cases, they can be video, like Wong Kar Wai is making like certain deleted scenes from In the Mood for Love purchasable as an NFT. Uh, So anything really can be an NFT. It just has to be data with ownership. And we're starting to see instances where people who have copyrighted works that are being traded as NFTs can reasonably, and I would say defensively, uh, go after the places that are like selling their intellectual property as an NFT. Uh, and the case that I would like to talk about specifically is Matt Fury. Are you familiar with Matt Fury? I don't know this man from Adam. Well, are you familiar with Pepe, Pepe the Frog? Yes, I am. I am remembered. I I am remembered. Uh, Pepe the Frog is also remembered. The creation of one Matt Fury for a uh, a limited comic series he made called, I believe, Boys Club? Something like that. Uh, but yes, Matt Fury created this frog that, uh, to truncate a bunch of history, was adopted by the alt-right, was adopted first by like 4chan, 8chan, etc., and became like the face of a certain brand of internet hatred and then like grew into a much bigger thing but matt fury uh to kind of summarize the incredible film feels good man over a years-long battle actually started to take control of pepe the frog back from for example white nationalists Infowars, daily stormer etc and other internet scumbags uh which is great i am very yeah. happy for him like a thing that he made out of the goodness of his heart he is actually forcibly reclaiming it from uh, pieces of shit. That's uh, that's awesome. Now, how do NFTs come into play? Well, uh, there's a place called the Sad Frogs District. What? 
Uh, so the latest scumbag in uh, in Matt Fury's quest for revenge is one Sad Frogs District, a verified open sea marketplace. If you haven't heard of Open Sea, uh, it's a shit heap of various fly by night crypto collectibles, including NFTs. Uh, so Open Sea is just this massive marketplace where you can trade uh, blockchain collectibles cards nfts uh a bunch of other stupid shit (laughs) uh but sad frog district sad frogs district is a specific marketplace of nfts that are heavily i'm editorializing here but they're clearly heavily inspired by pepe the frog like same rgb values for the green same like lip style same profile like they're just supposed to look like pepe the frog Period. I would say that unequivocally. Hold on, I'm looking up Sad Frogs District. They might have changed some of them now. I think Sad Frogs District is down, but you can probably find pictures of them. I mean, there's a lot more detail here, but yes, the face shape, the eyes, the lips, and of course the color are, that is, that's basically pepe the frog yeah absolutely it's taken over pepe the frog and the thing about like the the crypto space in general is that they've embraced pepe not in a good way obviously the creator does not like them but they like since they're internet shitheads who don't know any better and have no self-awareness they like embraced pepe the frog as like part of crypto uh culture however they thought they could sell them as nfts uh however (laughs) uh matt fury placed a Digital Millennium Copyright Copyrights Act DMCA notice against OpenSea and by extension the Sad Frogs District to remove the uh, the representations of his intellectual property vis-a-vis Pepe the Frog from Sad Frogs District, uh, which I believe is his right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Uh, but the the kind of issue that we're running into is that the internet is now actually in a pretty significant furor about this. Fur- mm. Is there a way to make furor sound not like you're referring to Hitler? No. Furor. Uh, the internet... You could use the word fever. Fever. Uh, the internet is in a fever about uh, this playground of his stolen work being taken down. Uh, because there was about $4 million worth of market capitalization tied up in Sad Frogs District. What? Yes, there was there was $4 million tied up in, in trading these dumbass frogs. Like, there was $4 million floating around at any given time that uh, Fury's yeah. DMCA notice put effectively a complete stop to. Which is, of course, the danger of NFTs is like... When people stop you being allowed to trade them, they become worthless. Right. So $4 million overnight became $0. Indeed. And I would like to read you some choice quotes from people uh, posting under the uh, guise of anonymity on Reddit, uh, particularly about the uh, the DMCA takedown of Sad Frogs District. Oh, please. Please go ahead. Uh, the first one begins... Dude, you don't know the impact has on people's lives. This collection was verified? I lost 4k dollars, and I bet a lot of other people lost a lot more. What? I'm I'm officially out of the NFT game now. This is really horrible, and I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. And that was written by, unfortunately, someone whose title is Crypto Gambling Addict. 
Uh, he had four thousand dollars, four thousand real dollars that could buy goods and services, tied up in pictures of frogs. Tied up in stupid fucking pictures of frogs. Uh, so I, my condolences to crypto gambling addict. It's a it's a difficult situation for them. I'm afraid. I don't. I don't understand how you can make money with pictures of frogs. Well, if that wasn't enough, some other dickhead wrote, uh, This is how you want to be remembered, an artist that people love his Pepe design, but so arrogant to let people use it in any way they want. Hope life getting better for you, man. Just lost $21,000 here. What? All of my life savings. What? <laughs> yes. $21,000 in pictures of frogs. $21,000 in pictures of frogs. I, I'm, pr- uh, I'm pretty sure NFTs aren't supposed to be used this way. Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, NFTs are highly speculative, as is any new, I guess it's a security. Uh, but no, they're not supposed to be bought this way. This person didn't buy $21,000 of NFTs for the purposes of appreciating his ownership. I can almost guarantee you that they bought $21,000 worth of NFTs for the hope that they would appreciate on the speculative market and they'd sell them for more money. Almost yeah, without abs- a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, You know, we used to have like these, these people who are like, man, I'm off the grid. I put all my money into silver and gold. Can you imagine in like in our future, there's going to be like these people hold up in the mountains like, yeah, I don't trust the banks. I got all my money in Pepe the Frog pictures. <laughs> I don't trust the banks. I just have my money sitting out on the blockchain based on the existence of one fucking website. I got all my money in pictures of uh, big tittied centaurs that ride the Death Star. <laughs> Millennium Falcon, please. Oh, no. We, we spent a lot of money on this. <laughs> we diversify on our assets. <laughs> I got both the Death Star and the Millennium Falcon. I heard there's going to be a new big titty centaur riding Boba Fett's ship Slave One. I'm going to uh, spend $16,000 on that. By the way, I think they're changing the name of Slave One, actually. Yeah, I did see some outcry about that. It's like, who fucking cares? <laughs> eh, it's whatever. It's yeah. a fictional universe. Change names. Yeah, I mean, like, he was in a pit for decades. I'm pretty sure he can change he change his mind about the ship's name. I just think it's self-aggrandizing. Clearly, he thinks he's the number one slave. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, uh, I put but, all my money into uh, Lego figurines of Boba Fett's uh, spaceship, and then they done changed the name on me, and now they're not worth so much no more. <laughs> Henry, I didn't come to this podcast to be personally attacked. I, I, I can't. I don't appreciate you subtweeting me on this <laughs> podcast about the things I spend my money on. I worked in finance for years and put all my money into coke cans. <laughs> I do not appreciate this. Uh, now there, there is an interesting thousand dollars lost. I think we can both agree, right? Matt Fury was totally within his rights to do that. Oh, absolutely. You don't see fucking people like, oh, that that one comment about like, this is how you want to be remembered. you not letting people use your art. And it's like, well, never before in the history of artists has like the, the fan base, the viewers, like of the art been able to use the art they just used to look at the art yeah that's how art kind of works 
you, uh, you, did, <laughs> you didn't have people on the streets like copying the art worse and then selling it. Now, we'll get into something that I think will resonate with both of us, but an interesting coda to this story is that uh, Sad Frogs District actually filed a counter notice against the DMCA notice, which is, of course, uh, a counter notice is a notice to repeal that you don't believe someone submitted a DMC notice with cause. Okay. Uh, However, this maybe speaks to the underlying maybe ideology of the people who run Sad Frogs District and makes me... uh, lose what diminishing respect i had for them uh they submitted the counter notice under the name vladimir vladimirovich which of course is the first and middle name of vladimir putin uh so probably these people have some dope political beliefs dope uh and they did not provide a mailing address the unfortunate thing for sad frogs district is that u.s copyright law doesn't recognize anonymity and legal requests for the digital millennium copyrights act uh, so that counter notice wasn't even considered. Good uh, to hear. Good to hear, definitely. Uh, Sad Frogs District has anonymously claimed that the material that they posted is protected by the fair use doctrine uh, in in the counterclaim. Now, I think this is the part that will resonate with both of us as podcasters and content creators, is that we should both know that fair use is very limiting. Oh, is it? Okay. Uh, fair, the fair use doctrine is great because it allows people to use – it's not transformative use, but fair use allows people to use copyrighted materials for the following purposes. Criticism, commentary, news, reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Right, yes. Not changing something a little bit and then calling it an original work. And you could, if you were an artist, if you made a change to Pepe the Frog, you could reasonably and defensibly say that it falls under fair use doctrine if your transformation of it or your copying of it was to make commentary or criticism on it. Commentary and criticism are the biggest drivers of fair use doctrine. And then, of course, if you repost works of art in textbooks or put them on projectors at colleges, you're you're clearly teaching them. You're clearly using them for the purposes of scholarship and research. And then, of course, you can use them in news reporting. All of those are clear. However, what is not covered under fair use, which many podcast hosts will be aware of, is profit. If for any reason you use someone else's work specifically for profit, there is no way that the fair use doctrine will protect you. Wait, but what if you monetize your criticisms? Hold on. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I, I think profiting can't be the sole purpose. Mm. I would say that is fair. If you were someone who makes a piece that is satirical of Mickey Mouse and, like, I don't know, has him, like, taking a fat bong rip or something, you know, clearly criticism, uh, and then you were to sell that, I think that would still fall under fair use because its existence was for the purpose of art and right. then that that art was sold, I don't think, uh, necessarily was the cause of you using it. Oh, interesting. Uh, Once again, I'm not a lawyer, and if a lawyer is listening, please let me know. I I do know that it's not a given. It's a defense that you have to work out in, like, a lawsuit. Like, it's not a law. Like, it's it's an avenue for defense, but it does not 
inherently defend you. Yeah, it is an explanation of your actions that can change legal proceedings, which is all that it is. Right. Uh, and a lot of people, uh, particularly content creators, think that fair use is just a card that you can play to be free of legal ramifications. Uh, and and it is not, which is what I believe Sad Frog's district is trying to use it as in this case. Right. No, you have to walk through documentation that explains intent that you know it, it's a long arduous process and unfortunately yeah you, you have to have an identity yes yeah, you have to forward. not make a dumb fucking joke about vladimir putin and not leave an address which you know all of this is for flavor just to be totally clear their uh counter notice complete garbage not will not be considered uh because they chose to do so under a dumb joke Super cool that they decided to waste some court time that could probably go to something more important. I mean, at the end of the day, their uh, their marketplace is shut down, so it's fine. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure they won't get like a they won't get like a far right web hosting company owned by a guy named literally Rob Monster who hosts far right website content as well as the anonymous tip line for texas's new anti-abortion laws i'm sure they won't like convince him to put up sad frogs district or whatever uh real shit by the way that guy's name is rob monster (laughs) i I mean the silver lining is that godaddy pulled the hosting on him yeah it would be a, a real shame if someone were to write a pretty simple program that just like spams that texas anti-abortion thing with nonsense 24 hours a day would be a real shame yeah no one should do that no one should do that Uh, look here's a detailed list of instructions that you absolutely should not read yeah it's very simple just use like pytorch or something uh but yes don't do that and don't steal matt fury's work he's litigious but in a way i can actually get behind Okay, wait, but no, one of those you should actually not do, and that's the stealing Matt Fury's work. Yeah, definitely don't actually steal Matt Fury's work. He's a good guy. If you haven't seen the documentary Feels Good Man, it's one of the better ones of 2020. Yeah. Uh, I can't can't imagine anything more horrifying than creating work. Work. God damn it. Fuck you, capitalism. Creating art for the sole purpose of, like, entertainment or just expressing yourself and then watching that art morph by people you have no control over into a symbol uh, that is synonymous with hate groups, with with racial prejudice and all this, all the other things that it, it ended up being synonymous with. And you literally you have no recourse, you know, for watching that unfold. It's great that he, he's pursuing avenues to defend it now, but it just sounds like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think it was made worse by the fact that Matt Fury did not pursue legal action sooner. Uh, It might be this is something we often overlook in the narrative of like litigious justice in America. Some people just don't have the financial means to pursue it. I think that was Matt Fury's situation. I don't know that he was well enough financially to pursue uh, but now that he is well enough financially to pursue, he has successfully like ripped it out of the hands of people like Alex Jones. Someone was going to make a like Islamophobic children's book with Pepe the Frog, and he put a stop to that. And all the money he got from the suit, uh, he gave to the like uh, to a foundation for for people of the faith in America. Like wow. Matt Fury has done the right things, and he's working very hard 
to protect his IP. And I think that we on this podcast can sometimes poo-poo people who go after their IP strongly, but I think that he is certainly justified. Yeah, no, there's a difference between, I don't know, shutting down like a fan, like this never happened, but shutting down like a fan fiction site to protect your IP versus keeping your IP out of the hands of literal hate groups. Yeah. Absolutely. The most defensible version of, uh, of IP defense, certainly. Yeah. More power to Matt Fury, less power to, I guess, uh, Naib Butella as far as cryptocurrency goes. More. Also, Matt Fury, by the way, is now selling actual Pepe the Frog NFTs and making like millions of dollars. So hell yeah. Good for him. That's great. Even though NFTs are bad and you shouldn't sell them. Ah, it's complicated. I still don't understand how they work or how anyone gets money from them. They get they get money just because people trade Ethereum for it. But the problem is like cryptocurrency is bad for the environment to mine. So if you're like, oh, yeah. creating demand for things that only sell for cryptocurrency, you're actually doing a lot of harm to the environment. So no, no, Matt Fury, don't hurt the environment. But yes, yes, Matt Fury, do go after the white nationalists. Yeah, no, absolutely. To the latter point. Yes. And the, and the former point. Yeah, yes to, to both. To the whole thing. Yes, yes to both. Yes to both. I only disagreed in this whole thing about you not buying that NFT that you described so very well. Huh? That's the only point I disagree with. I think you bought that. I'm just saying if anyone listening to this podcast is interested in purchasing a big titty centaur riding the Millennium Falcon, uh, reach out to us. <laughs> I'm not Hypothet- fielding these emails. Hypothetically, if someone's interested in this and they have a lot of money in Ethereum or fentanyl, please reach out to me. What Fentanyl sounds like a medicine. Oh, yeah. It's a very strong opiate. Why do you want fentanyl? (laughs) There are only two perfect methods of exchange. One is cryptocurrency trade on the blockchain, and the other is extremely strong opiates. If you have fentanyl or Dilaudid or Ethereum or Bitcoin and you want to buy a big-titted centaur riding on the Millennium Falcon, please email me (laughs) directly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm not fielding yeah. these calls. John at zerocredits.net. Please reach out to me. I'll do what I can. Man, I can't find any NFT with that description. I made it. You made it. Oh, okay. I paid a guy $4,000 to make it <laughs> in, in in Maya. It's not good looking, but I paid him. Sight yeah. unseen. Sight unseen. Well, yeah, you didn't want to be one of those choosing beggars. I get it. Yeah, I said, make me an NFT. And he said, what's an NFT? I said, just do it. (laughs) And he did. Sight unseen. Sight unseen. Wow. That's your life savings now. It is. It is is my entire life savings. So if you have fentanyl, Dilaudid, or in fact, if you have Ether, but also if you have the cryptocurrency Ether or Bitcoin, I'm also now accepting Ripple, and actually I'm accepting Ripple, Ripple the cryptocurrency, and Ripple the pea protein-based milk. Oh my god. So if you have, pea, I, I could... if you have pea milk, opiates, or ether, or the Ethereum cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, or the Ripple cryptocurrency, hit me up! 
life has really changed for you ever since you became unemployed. It really has. Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces. The sands are shifting quickly, and I'm just trying to reverse time, baby. I'm just, yeah. try, I'm just trying. I'm, <laughs> I fell on those. I fell on the spikes, and I'm just trying to reverse time so I can save that princess. Ah, Prince of Persia. Uh huh. So wait, here's a hypothetical. You buy this NFT. Uh huh. Then you print it out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you could. What happens? I don't understand. Can you? What do you got? What is it? Do you want a, a fun explanation or a factual explanation? A little, little bit of both. A fun explanation: you print it out, and it's worth as much money as you paid for it. Factual explanation is: it's just a representation of the thing that you bought, which is just oh a description God. of the picture. You're not what? even buying you're when you buy an NFT, you are not even buying said JPEG. You are buying a programmatic description of it, like pixel by pixel color values with ownership. Wow. This is a real like signifier versus the signified <laughs> it's, conversation. It, it, I think that NFTs do create interesting conversation. Uh, just kidding. No, they don't. If someone tries to explain NFTs to you over an IPA at your favorite uh, apartment slash shopping mall district in your rapidly gentrifying town, don't listen to them. All right. I, I'll tune you out next time. Oh, no, that's me. Zing. Got him. Man, I never realized I'd be this guy on the podcast. I guess that's what happens. You either live long enough to lose all your money to Pepe Frogs, or you, or you die the, the guy who's explaining NFTs. I fucked up the quote. I think that's pretty much exactly what Nietzsche had in mind. Yeah, that was Nietzsche in the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah. he Listen, he's not the Nietzsche we need, but he's, he's the Nietzsche we got. He's the one we deserve right now, because he can take it. Yeah, Nietzsche can take it. And you he know can what? Nietzsche it. can get it, too. Hell so yeah. So if you've got opiates, <laughs> pea <What>? milk, <laughs> ether, or a way for me to kiss Nietzsche, or a raft of various cryptocurrencies, for which, of course, you will be trading them for a big-titted centaur riding the Millennium Falcon, get at me. It's not even a particularly good... The person who... I contracted for this, had never seen Star Wars or a centaur. Or so drawn. The, or drawn. So the horse half is up top. <laughs> the human part is at the bottom. And the Millennium Falcon is actually just a thousand falcons. Well, it's getting more impressive. See? So if you have... <laughs> Stop if you have list of demands! Me, if you have a way for me to kiss Nietzsche or Rilke... Dead or oh, alive, P milk cryptocurrency worth at least four thousand dollars. Get at me. Oh man, I mean, this is how people are making money, <laughs> apparently. All these new millionaires strolling about buying fucking billboards in New York Times. That's yeah, wait, d did they buy billboards and the New York Times? <laughs> oh no oh no times square oh no is that what you meant oh no wait hold on every time every time you've gone to times square you're like ah oh, the new york times oh no oh no
Oh, they're coming for my citizenship, John. <laughs> it's so quaint that they have their own newspaper for this one block. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> they're breaking down the doors. <laughs> they're screaming, you're not a real American. You never played Spider-Man 2 on the PlayStation 2. <laughs> the New York Times. I think I would have been fine if I just said the word square after it. Yeah, if you said New York Times Square, you would have been fine and you wouldn't be dragged away by census oh. agents. <laughs> Buying fucking billboards in Times Square. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Now they're uh now they're eased. Yeah, they're backing off. My FBI my FBI agent's like, ooh, that was close. Yeah. Everyone, by the way, is assigned an FBI agent at birth. Yeah, it's uh, one of my favorite, like, Zoomer millennial jokes. Oh, is that a real thing that Zoomers believe? Not, no, it's a joke. Do Zoomers believe? Hold on, I need to write an article for The Independent about what Zoomers believe. (laughs) Zoomers erroneously believe the FBI gives a shit. Yeah. And we at the Independent only believe that immigrants are bad. Which is, right. Uh, I, to- I told the story on the podcast about how a pirate Zoomer drags. Yes. Okay. That was literally sure. last week. Just literally last sure. week we talked about your keel hauling. Yeah, That's just wanted to make sure that was that was covered. Keel haul? Don't know what that is. I don't know. Haul keel? I don't know. Shiftless millennial? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that pirate was right. Yeah. I only carry NFTs. (laughs) (laughs) I listen, sorry, I only carry NFTs. Do you want a picture of a horse riding a thousand falcons? Uh, I got some uh, some sad frogs. Oh, sorry, we don't take any sad frogs anymore. Uh, If you're someone who has a wallet full of sad frogs, you clearly, like, you get deported. Your money's no good here anymore. Sorry, sorry. We only take uh, U.S. dollars if you got them. Yeah, we only take USD coin. <laughs> the new, the newest crypto. Yeah, it's uh, based on the United freedom States dollars. dollar. The freedom dollars. The freedom dollars. I'm just imagining a scenario like you know the, everything crashes, Wall Street, whatever. A new Great Depression, and like this one farmstead home as everything's dust bowl. But you walk in and over the fireplace is just the largest sad frog, Pepe the Frog thing. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. That's worth more than all of our land. <laughs> when you leave here, Bernisa, you got to take that sad Borg frog with you. Yeah, leave us all to die, but you got to take that frog. You're going to make it out. Trade that for an education <laughs> Once then, you leave the Dust Bowl of America and go to the verdant lands of El Salvador. <laughs> send us some remittance via <laughs> via wire if you can afford it, but we'll also take like some Pepe frogs. <laughs> some pea milk. We'll take a we'll take a kiss from Socrates. <laughs> you got you they got connections, they'll hook you up, they'll get they'll you can remittance a kiss from Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, we can take a Nietzsche kiss. You know, he just saw all of our you're our hope now. Let me take a picture of you and sell it as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> it's your last chance, fentanyl. Don't let me down. <laughs> Her name is Fentanyl? Yeah, it's the future. 
It's the future. Everybody's name is one of those pharmaceutical brands. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, there, oh, there there's your Blade Runner three. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think that F. Scott Fitzgerald has been looking for the plot to Blade Runner three. Uh, I was gonna say Daisy Ridley, <laughs> director of Blade Runner, uh, has been looking for the plot to the new Blade Daisy Runner. R- Daisy, R- yeah. Daisy Ridley, not director. Scott Ridley. Daisy. Wait, Ridley Scott. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Ridley Daisy, <laughs> Ridley Daisy is directing Blade Runner three. Uh huh. Blade Runner twenty three. <laughs> yeah, it's like, are you are you human or are you an NFT? <laughs> everyone's Southern. Everyone's name is Fentanyl Oxycontin or Dilaudid. Yeah, it's the first Blade Runner that takes place in the country. <laughs> you are walking down a hot road and you see a tortoise on its back. Do you sell it for NFT? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man oh boy we how do i make money without working is it just sad frogs i mean you get on the ground floor of something too dumb to believe but you're a specific kind of dumb person so you do it wholeheartedly uh or you work or you hold out for universal universal basic income Oh, man, I'm always holding out for that ubi either be a phenomenally dumb person or wait for ubi <laughs> All right, I'll keep waiting. Yang gang, Yang get He's never doing anything. We'll see. He wasn't mayor of New York, governor of New York, <laughs> mayor, I believe. Time, New York Times, <laughs> New York Times. Yeah, he was. He was <laughs> the, governor the governor of the New York, New York yeah. Times. He was almost the governor of the New York Times. Yeah, it's crazy. They elected a governor for a one square newspaper. Yeah, it's uh, where, when's the naked cowboy gonna get an op-ed? Is what I'm wondering. Yeah, we're all wondering. Yeah, we've all been wondering. We went off the rails very quickly, Henry. Uh, there were rails. I just want to be very clear that if you have a preponderance of pea milk or kisses from oh philosophers. My God. <laughs> I just need you to email me your contact information so I can offload this big titty horse riding multiple falcons. I don't, I disagree with everything that's happening. Second disagreement. Yeah, there we go. And if you disagree, boy, do I have news for you. Uh, You can, this is the part where you can talk to us. Uh, So if you want to get in contact with us, send us a couple of Ethereum chips uh, via Twitter to at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And John knows what that stands for. That's right. If you buy ZCPCWHJ token now, uh, we will, uh, you'll have it. I don't know what you'll do with it. We don't have like an exchange, but you'll have it. Yeah, you'll have it. Might be worth more than that that coin that Stanley from the office is trying to get off the ground. Oh, Stanley coin! Stanley coin, yeah? You've heard about this? No, I don't give a shit. Alright, here we go. If you have a longer disagreement to send us, you can send us an email to email at zerocredits.net. Uh, each email will cost you uh, a garlic coin. That's a coin based off how good garlic bread is. Uh, we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcast and all of your major podcast resellers. 
Uh, you can leave us a rating and review on all of these things. We're also on Good Pods and Pod Chaser and all these other platforms that are trying to get off the ground. We're on those. So if you wanna you wanna leave us a review on those, those would be cool. Uh, the most important thing, however, all you need to do is tell your Bitcoin dealer in the back alleys of the cyberpunk city we you live in about zero credits. We're the only what are they going to call podcasts in the future? We're the only uh, wave show that's super cool. God damn it. <laughs> are you even there anymore? <laughs> and of course, <laughs> I would like to remind everyone. Remarkably silent. Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And I would also like to remind everyone that we came up with the idea of making podcast NFTs. So if you steal that, DMCA, baby. Yeah, that's right. We're gonna put. A, we're gonna get a patent on this process. Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll. Fu- I don't fuck. I'll fucking care. We will sell. We will sell Mark Marin's WTF. We will sell Armchair <laughs> Expert. I don't care. We'll sell any goddamn podcast. A thousand dollars for the first episode of Armchair Expert where Dak Shepard gets kissed by Nietzsche. I don't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit. We'll sell Joe Rogan's COVID. I'll sell every cell of Joe Rogan's co- I'll sell his horse paste. I'll sell, you know what? If I'm going to make an NFT of Joe Rogan saying Ivermectin, fair use, $40,000, walk in, walk out, it's yours. Sounds like uh, capitalism to me. Love it. And yeah. from everyone here at the Zero Credits uh, Multiple House Capitalism Studios, uh, Infinity Pool, right? That's what rich people have. They have infinity pools and Wi-Fi or whatever. We would like to wish you Wait a, second. a happy week. Are they combined somehow? That's exciting? No, they, they're separate. Okay, just Wi-Fi and an infinity pool. Yeah, only rich people have both. Wow. Well, one out of two's not bad. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. I have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Just said Wi-Fi. I don't know. That wasn't.